Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, Wealth Strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Maybe you've heard there's an election coming up. If you're voting and you didn't manage to get an absentee mail-in ballot, you may have to spend hours waiting in line at your local school or church to vote. Depending on which of the more than 10,000 election jurisdictions you're in, you could find yourself, lead pencil in hand, trying not to mark outside the lines of the bubbles on your ballot. And while you're standing there, you'll probably be spending time playing with your phone, checking your texts, or even doing some chores. You might be transferring money to a friend for coffee, or filling out your grocery order, or shopping for clothes. And then it may dawn on you, I can do all these things on my phone, so why can't I vote on my phone? The idea of mobile voting is so enticing. The idea that you could just let people vote on their phones. This is my colleague, Wall Street Journal reporter Paul Vigna. It would be easier. It would be more convenient. It would increase voting because of the convenience. You're not asking people to take time out of a Tuesday. I've always hated the idea that we give people one day in the middle of the week to vote. I've never understood it. Entrepreneurs have latched on to this idea. They've begun developing mobile phone voting apps. And a philanthropist is already funding some mobile voting projects in a handful of jurisdictions. My hope is that this kind of becomes the black swan moment for mobile voting. Other countries, including India, Norway, Switzerland, and Canada, have already taken up internet voting. Estonia has been doing it for more than a decade. But some people have deep concerns, and the resistance is coming from some of the smartest technologists in the room. So it is a great question. If we can shop and bank online, why not vote online? Well, elections actually have surprisingly unusual requirements and unusual risks, which mean that online voting would open up the potential for all sorts of new attacks and be really much more risky. But while we're waiting in the precinct line on November 3rd, our risk-reward analysis of mobile voting might take a turn. Can you honestly tell me that someday, five, ten years down the road, if they keep experimenting with this, that they will not be able to come up with a system that is as secure? Let's find out. From The Wall Street Journal, this is the future of everything. I'm Janet Babin. Today on the podcast, mobile voting. Enter a revolutionary business world where AI meets power with Intel Core Ultra and Intel vPro. Imagine PCs that boost productivity, creativity, and collaboration with cutting-edge AI. They're gateways to innovation, engineered with powerful AI performance, hardware-based security, and AI-powered threat detection. Plus, they're built sustainably and can be managed remotely. Transform your workflow with Intel Core Ultra and Intel vPro today. No product can be absolutely secure. Become an IT hero at intel.com slash IT heroes. Many of us can get to the polls on election day if we prioritize and make a plan and everything goes smoothly. But for some people, getting to a polling location isn't even an option, whether they are in rural locations or in another country. 
Well, you're really out there at the ends of the earth. It's, it's not only Afghanistan, it's in the middle of Afghanistan. That's where West Virginia Secretary of State Mac Warner found himself in 2012. After more than a decade serving in the military, he was working in Bamyan, Afghanistan as a military contractor. The roads there were under frequent attack, the mountains were treacherous, and the weather could be nasty. And so there were literally months at a time when we wouldn't get mail. You just That's just part of the acceptance of that type of assignment. And that meant Warner couldn't vote in the 2012 primary. Fast forward to 2017, Warner's back in the U.S. and becomes West Virginia's Secretary of State. So now he's in charge of his state's election and wants to help military personnel to vote more easily. Voting assistance is just kind of an afterthought in many cases. So what I want to do is I want to give soldiers an opportunity to vote. And I think the electronic means is the most logical place to go. Warner started thinking about a guy he met back in 2014, budding entrepreneur Nimit Sahani. So my brother and I, a few years ago, happened to be at a hackathon at South by Southwest in Austin, Texas. At South by Southwest, Sahani was just a guy trying to break into the tech world. He wasn't thinking about voting. What really intrigued us, besides the, you know, the free food and the <laughs> swag you get at the hackathons, was the prize money and the theme of the hackathon was Hack to the Future. What's the one thing you would do in the future and how you do it? So as he thought about the future and what he would do, Sahani thought back to his past, growing up in India as a member of the Sikh minority. A separatist movement was ascending in northern India led by Sikhs that was swiftly brought down by then Prime Minister Indira Gandhi. In 1984, she was assassinated by her Sikh bodyguards. There was a lot of uh, political and religious turmoil, and there were elections soon after for the new prime minister. And there were some uh, very unfortunate incidents which happened at the time. And one of them was as a little, little kid seeing people being coerced to vote at gunpoint. Coercion to vote at gunpoint that can stick with a person. And in Austin, under pressure to create an innovative app, Sahani used that memory and pitched a mobile voting app that used a digital ledger called the blockchain that was invented to help buy and sell cryptocurrency. And when we pitched on stage, there was printer of silence in the auditorium. <laughs> and we were afraid that like, maybe they'd be completely bombed. And when they announced the first prize, it was, it was a shock. Sahani took that prize money, found investors, and developed the mobile phone voting app called Votes. That's V-O-A-T-Z. His first client was Mac Warner, the former Afghanistan contractor who's now West Virginia's Secretary of State. In 2018, the state became the first in the country to try it out in a federal election when Warner launched a small mobile voting pilot program for his state's military personnel serving overseas. But there were issues, and there were critics. Up next, how votes and other electronic voting options work, and why academics are raising concerns. AI may be the most important new computer technology ever, but AI needs a lot of processing speed, and that gets expensive fast. Upgrade to the next generation of the cloud, Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is the single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. Do more and spend less, like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic. 
Take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash wallstreet, oracle.com slash wallstreet. Voting is done in many different ways around the country and around the world, but all voting has one thing in common, verifiability. You need to know that the person voting is who they say they are and that they only voted once. When you fill out a ballot at a poll, you have to be registered to vote and then show ID. But how do you verify with internet voting? One way is with a digital ledger, something called a blockchain. Wall Street Journal reporter Paul Vigna has written a couple of books about blockchain. If you wanted to boil it down to its most basic element, a blockchain is just a database. It is a software program that allows you to maintain a database. But it's not just any database. It's a database that uses cryptography. The technology made a name for itself as the scaffolding that props up a cryptocurrency platform you've likely heard of called Bitcoin. What's a Bitcoin? It's an invisible virtual form of currency, what one analyst calls gold for nerds. How's it like Bitcoin gold? uses blockchain well, as a way to verify cryptocurrency purchases. You can make a purchase and technically others can see the transaction, but not your identity. Blockchain secures the system across continents without a middleman. So rather than having a central party controlling a database, like JP Morgan, right, controls the accounts for all its millions and millions of clients. Nobody controls the accounts for Bitcoin. It is all maintained in this open network. A Bitcoin transaction gets recorded on the blockchain and it gets packaged with a bunch of other transactions in one grouping, a block, and then those blocks are hashed together with each other in a consecutive order, one after the other, after the other, after the other. That hashing function cannot be altered once it is set. Okay, so remember, this is the technology Nimit Sahani used to develop the Votes app. His idea was to create a transparent, decentralized platform to keep internet ballots secure. No one person's in charge, and you can verify a vote without being able to know someone's identity. This is the system Secretary of State Warner implemented for the state's soldiers serving overseas. Warner thought it went well, so did votes. But then news surfaced that hackers had tried to penetrate the West Virginia system. Mike Stewart, the U.S. attorney from the Southern District of Virginia, says the case was turned over to the FBI for investigation. Stewart warned the hackers. Don't do it. Don't even think about it. We're serious about maintaining the integrity of our election system, and we will prosecute those folks who violate federal law. Critics said the attempted hack was proof that the system was unsafe, but Warner didn't think so. This shows that the system is secure. It did work. There was no penetration. No votes were changed. No intrusion occurred that changed any votes. And the system worked just as it was designed to do. But there were other questions about the Votes app, especially around the purpose of using blockchain in the app. Michael Spector researches computer security as a PhD student at MIT. Doing internet voting is super, super hard. So when a company claims that they have a solution for it, it's incredibly important to actually understand what they're doing. And there was really no good explanation for what Votes was doing or how they were doing it. 
Spectre and his colleagues reverse engineered the mobile app that Votes created. Their resulting paper outlined some startling security vulnerabilities with the app. A good example of this is if somebody had broken into their servers, right, which are hosted on Amazon, which are running uh, their code, there's a bunch of different organizations, a bunch of different people that could have this access. That person could change votes, they could see how everyone voted, they could alter the ballot, they could do all these sorts of bad things. Spectre says attackers could also sneak into the system through a voter's mobile phone or into their Wi-Fi. They could see how you voted, change the ballot, stop the vote, and even add votes. Uh, yet another attack was this like passive network adversary that we found. In this attack, all a bad guy would need to do is see the conversation as you were voting between your device and votes of servers. And this is something that the owner of the Wi-Fi network you're connected to could do, or your internet service provider could do, or your cell service provider could do, any one of those three. And we found that votes had vulnerabilities that would allow any of these entities to easily tell which way you voted, and if they so chose, stop the ballot in transit. Another computer security company also studied the app and found dozens of other security issues, 79 total according to its report. Vote CEO Nimit Sahani defends his app, but he also admits that internet voting is a work in progress. He says the argument Spectre and others make could be used against any type of voting system. We feel very strongly that the, the vote system is actually the most viable system out there because it addresses many of the concerns which have been put out in the past. Whether it's 100% perfect, no, no, no system is 100% perfect, and that's true of our in-person voting system as well. But it's really important to be able to pilot this so we can learn, we can keep improving. And though West Virginia says it's pleased with how the mobile voting app worked for that small subset of voters in the military serving overseas, this time around the state has switched companies to Democracy Live!, which doesn't use the blockchain. Democracy Live! CEO Brian Finney says the company stores ballots as PDFs in the cloud. Really what we're doing is we're providing a secure portal, which is a secure cloud environment, the same cloud environment that's been approved for use by nearly every federal agency. But at the end of the process, there's always a paper ballot that's involved. But in our opinion, in the current climate especially, having that paper ballot at the end of the process is really, really critical. But this switch to a new system did not appease the critics. Sunu Park specializes in cryptography and information security. She says any system that transmits votes via the internet is still risky. Malware on a phone or a device can tamper with information at the phone itself before any information is transmitted outside the phone. And then any confirmation or verification information that should be sent back to the voter by the system can be faked if the malware has control of the voter's device. And while cyber election threats might conjure up images of sophisticated international adversaries using high-tech methods to break into internet voting systems, Park says the actual threats are much more basic. A lot of the major problems that we're talking about are dealing with things which are quite common. And the tools to build malware like this are common enough that there's a market for it. Some of these hacks could be similar to the data breaches we hear about or are victims of ourselves, that our credit card information's been compromised or our social media passwords have been unmasked. 
These types of systems are designed to work with these failures, and they're designed so that the losses are anticipated and absorbed by banks, by merchants, and insurance companies. Elections are not like banking or shopping. If bad actors attack ballots, Park says the breach could ultimately invalidate an election. The losses aren't financial, and, and there's no such thing as, as insurance for a failed democracy. Or, put another way, if we were okay with absorbing that risk and providing financial compensation for votes not being counted, then why not be okay with people standing in front of polling places and paying voters to go away? Park is not alone. A lot of big-name cryptographers have voiced skepticism about mobile voting and see real risks for democracy. But there is one organization with pretty deep pockets that's funding mobile voting projects. Coming up, we speak with the philanthropist funding many of these pilot programs and find out why he thinks our democracy is doomed without internet voting. That's next. Many of the mobile voting experiments in the U.S. would not have been possible without funding from Bradley Tusk. I'm the CEO of a venture capital fund called Tusk Ventures. I am also the CEO of Tusk Strategies, which is a political consulting firm, CEO of Tusk Philanthropies, which is my family foundation. In this podcast, we're talking with Tusk in his role as CEO of Tusk Philanthropies. Tusk started his career as a spokesman at the New York City Parks Department, then moved on to major government stints in Chicago, then back to New York, leading a successful mayoral campaign for Mike Bloomberg. Then he left government and started consulting for Uber, taking stock instead of a salary and making millions. That's where he first realized mobile voting's potential, while he was trying to get the rideshare app legalized. So we kind of figured out that if we mobilized our customers, we could overcome the taxi industry, which at the time was a really powerful industry politically with a lot of campaign donations and a lot of lobbyists. Obviously, that's changed since then, and I guess because of us. But people who never vote in most elections, they were advocating politically on our behalf, and they were tweeting, and they were texting, and they were emailing. And the reason they were doing all of that is because, one, they liked our service and wanted it to continue to be available to them. But two, we just made it really easy, right? Just right from the app, press these couple of buttons and it's all taken care of for you. And I remember thinking, wow, if people could vote that way, we could change everything. Tusk started thinking that in the same way that Uber disrupted the taxi and limousine industry, app-based mobile voting could potentially disrupt elections. And Tusk says the disruption here is about truly getting a majority of citizens to cast their ballots. If turnout flips to 50 or 60 percent in a primary, all of a sudden, instead of having, you know, half the electorate be accountable to you, it's a fifth or a tenth or whatever the number is, and you're politically a lot less powerful and a lot less relevant. And so they're going to want to block it, but they can't say, I don't want people to vote. So instead, what they say is it's not safe. So that's how they're going to come after us. Tusk isn't investing in the mobile voting apps through his venture capital or other for-profit companies. But Tusk Philanthropies started supporting jurisdictions piloting mobile voting programs a couple of years ago, funding 15 projects in six states, including in West Virginia. The funding goes directly to the local initiatives, not to the app companies. It's up to the jurisdictions to choose which vendor they'll work with. But after security issues surfaced with the Votes app, 
Tusk Philanthropies said at this time, it would not fund pilot projects working with the Votes mobile voting app. Recently, Tusk has invited the biggest academic critics of mobile voting to join together and work on developing a new mobile voting technology. It's something that we will give away to governments all over the U.S. and maybe all over the world even. We took $10 million from Tusk Philanthropies and, and put that into the tech build, issued a request for information. Those proposals are expected in a few days. Tusk says he agrees that making the technology as secure as possible is the key to broad implementation. Enhancing security is also what Vote CEO Nimit Sahani is focused on. But instead of just securing the way votes are transferred, he's working on how votes are submitted using technology we use on our phone every day, biometrics. Like the thumbprint password and facial recognition verification we use. Sahani wants to build on that technology with advanced biometrics. How you hold the phone, what angle your fingers touch, touch the screen on, and all that, it's a biometric signal, and that signal can be used as an additional security mechanism. So should your phone get stolen, or should somebody hack into your phone, it would be very, very hard for them to emulate that biometric signal they wouldn't be able to impersonate you and submit a a false vote on your behalf. But Mike Spector at MIT says voting still needs solid verification, and that probably means using an electronic hybrid ballot system that, in the end, relies on one of the oldest technologies around for counting votes, paper. Uh, I know this is getting somewhat nerdy and technical, but the difference here is in the situation where you're just getting the ballot delivered to you and you're printing it out and you're mailing it in, at least in that case, there's a human element. There's the ability for you to physically verify the ballot before it's mailed in. And that is significantly different than just sending a ballot, electronic ballot back through the same system. It's worth remembering, too, that any technology will have to be scalable. The mobile voting apps in circulation now only serve a small subsection of the population, but ultimately would have to be used by millions of voters. Phone, paper, whatever Bradley Tusk thinks up, or a combination of all these things. The goal for most of us is to enfranchise the highest number of citizens in the voting process. I asked Wall Street Journal reporter Paul Vigna the best way to get there. I mean, one big part of this is you look at elections and you go back 5, 10, 20 years, whatever. Most people don't vote. They don't vote. And there are a million different reasons for why they don't vote. But one reason probably is in some areas, in some neighborhoods, in some communities, it is not made easy to vote. Can you make it easier for people in disadvantaged communities to vote with a smartphone? If you can come up with a voting app, a mobile voting app. Paul, do you feel any more confident about these newer systems? Yeah, look, I think we're still at such an early stage in this that everything's being tested and everything should be tested. Blockchain should be tested. Cloud should be tested. Can, Can you come up with what is sort of this gold standard, which is an end-to-end verifiable ballot process. In other words, can you come up with a system that at every point from the voter to the counting of the votes by the election officials, all of it can be verified, all of it can be backed up, all of it can be confirmed. 
Can you build that system? That's the real trick of this whole thing. We are going to find out. No system is 100% foolproof, and every new technology brings its own set of problems. If you're old enough, right now you're probably thinking back to the 2000 election between George Bush and Al Gore. It came down to a couple hundred partially punched ballots in Florida and whether they should be counted. So the question isn't, can you come up with something that is encased in four feet of iron and can't be broken? It's, can you come up with something that is as good as what we have? I think that's possible. I think that's really possible. I certainly think it's worth trying. And more jurisdictions will be trying this November. Online voting will be tested in counties in West Virginia, Utah, Oregon, Washington, and South Carolina. Before we go, we have a correction to make regarding Tusk Philanthropies. In an earlier version of this podcast released on October 2nd, We said that Bradley Tusk was funding mobile voting apps, including the Votes app. Tusk Philanthropies has given funding to voting precincts to launch mobile voting pilot programs, not to the apps themselves. The Future of Everything is a production of The Wall Street Journal. Stephanie Ilgenfritz is the editorial director of The Future of Everything. Lee Camping-Carter is Digital Director of the Future of Everything. This episode's sound designer is Sarah Gibolaska. Our producer is Casey Georgie. The Wall Street Journal's executive producer of audio is Kateri Yoakum. I'm Janet Babin. Thanks for listening. The Claude 3 model family by Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. Haiku is lightning fast and cost-effective. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Learn more at anthropic.com slash Claude.